0: Hello and welcome to episode 176 of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast. Yes, being recorded in the beautiful home office of Chateau Relaxo, Florida. And tonight, it's time for another random show. Thanks for listening. If you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back and tonight i am partaking in one of asheville north carolina's finest sierra nevada liquid hoppiness ipa a juicy ipa coming in at seven percent apv so that's what's on tap for tonight so one trip since our last episode and it came in the form of a 1500 mile road trip chateau relaxo to fort oglethorpe georgia up to nashville tennessee back down to Flowery Branch, Georgia, up to Demarest, Georgia, and then finally back to Chateau Relaxo. Now, the Hampton Inn in Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia was a new stop for me. It gave me a bit of a surprise. They offered me an upgrade at check-in, and Hamptons typically don't have a lot of upgrades, but since it was a single night, for the most part, turn and burn, I declined. But the surprise came in the form of when I entered my room, one of the hotel beds was significantly lower than the other one. So a little CSI investigation showed that that bed only had a mattress, no box spring, just the mattress laying on the platform. When I opened the blinds, I saw a dumpster with seven or eight box springs and mattresses in it. So the crime is solved. Apparently I had checked in mid hotel restoration. Now, the next couple of nights were in Nashville, Tennessee, and due to hotel pricing, combined with me booking a little bit too late, which we'll talk about in a bit, I couldn't in good conscience stay downtown. Uh, As I pulled into the parking lot of the Spring Hill Suites, guess what? I saw yet another dumpster filled with worn hotel furnishings. But in addition to that, there was a building permit sticker plastered on the front door. My heart sank, not again. But as I checked in, I asked if they were under renovations. They said they weren't. The renovations were done except for some landscaping out front. And the tip-in was that my room looked like it belonged on the page of the West Elm webpage. The furnishings were amazing. It's been a long time since I've stayed at the Spring Hill Suites. And it's only been a few years since I've stayed at a Marriott property. But I had forgotten that Marriott supplies toiletries in bulk three bottles stuck to my shower wall. I know we're trying to reduce our carbon footprint, but I want my own bottle of body wash. Since Nashville was on the agenda, my last trip to Nashville was winter 2021. I decided to throw in five Nashville tips. Number one, Nashville has been deemed Nash Vegas, of course, due to all the neon signs that grace Broadway. And every single travel guide or travel expert will encourage you to b- visit Broadway, and you should. But don't overlook things like the Nashville Zoo, Music Row, Bell Meade Historic Site. If you're into cars, there's the Lane Motor Museum. There's the Grand Old Opry. There's plenty to do. Number two, if you're into sports, and if you time it right, you've got Titans football, Predators hockey. If you're into baseball, the Nashville Sounds, or even soccer with the Nashville SC. Number three, Beyond Music, Nashville is a truly up-and-coming whiskey town. There are plenty of whiskey tours. They drive and you drink. The CEO and I took a couple of those a few years ago. Plus, you got George Dickel just down the road as well as Jack Daniels. Now, here's a tip. Number four, it's a food tip. And I picked this up not long ago. But you'll hear everybody talk about Hattie B's. And Hattie B's claim to fame is their Nashville Hot Chicken. And no matter what time you get to Hattie B's, there will be a long line stretching outside and down the block. But I did not know that Hattie B's offers online to go ordering, get online, order, skip the line, enjoy your meal, as well as the time you save by not waiting in the Hattie B's line. And the last tip, number five, is a little bit pricey, but it is try to stay downtown. And we'll talk about hotel pricing here in a minute. But it's worth it nashville is a very walkable city but if you visit in the fall make sure to bring a jacket as the autumn winds seem to whip through the buildings and can wreak havoc on your body temperature so from nashville my next stop was flowery branch georgia and leaving nashville i had a couple routes to select from one was nashville through chattanooga down to 285 around atlanta back up i-85 so it's about 280 miles at least five hours, not including the Atlanta traffic. And then my other choice was Nashville south through Chattanooga, but go up north through Cleveland, Tennessee and hang a right, go across the top of Lake Ocoee, and then coming out just above Gainesville, a little bit longer, 317 miles, and just over five hours. So I did choose the longer route, and it had been years since I've taken this route, and I forgot, how many small towns are scattered across the North Georgia mountains. You know, sometimes it does pay to take the longer route. Or in the words of Ferris Bueller, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it. Now that evening's stop was in the Flowery Branch Hampton Inn. My last visit there was 2018, and they didn't even seem to notice that I had been gone. But this was the first Hampton Inn where they offered traditional cookie time a plate of warm cookies not actually individually wrapped grab one grab two grab three if you're fat guy with the tongs and head to your room so yes things are returning to normal and then my last night of the hotel trip was in another Hampton Inn located in beautiful Demarest Georgia and I probably spent no less than 30 or 40 nights there over the course of the last 12 years the only thing unique about this location is it took them close to three years to complete their hotel renovations now here's one thing i did notice if you are a fan of the peloton bike or the peloton exercise craze two of the three hampton and fitness centers had legit peloton bikes right down to the clip-in pedals so it's been six or seven months since our last random show which means it's time to visit or revisit all of the travel randomness, not the travel craziness, that's next episode. Now, going into my 23rd year of business travel, there are a few travel givens. The more important it is for your flight to depart or land at the scheduled time, the greater the chance that it won't. And speaking of chances, there are two chances that Hertz will upgrade you to a Porsche 911, or a Mercedes AMG, and those two chances are none and less than none. And then the last travel given is that hotel prices tend to decrease going into fall and then increase right again before Easter. Well, that last given, hotel pricing, seasonal hotel pricing fluctuation, is quickly becoming an ungiven. Fall hotel prices are not decreasing. On this last road trip I had planned to spend Sunday night in Dalton, Georgia. They've got a beautiful Hilton garden in there i stayed at many times. But driving just 20 miles up I-75 closer to my destination saved 30 bucks. And the same thing in Nashville. I had wanted to stay closer to downtown and probably part of this is due to me booking a little bit late. But staying north of town near I-24 saved close to $40 each night of my stay. Now, the Chateau Relaxo, we have one of the uh, Chateau Relaxo residents here that is a corporate marketer, and she wants to spend her birthday in Savannah, Georgia, a great choice, and she struggled with finding an affordable hotel room, so I worked my best hotel price voodoo magic, and truly the only affordable property I could come up with was the mansion on Forsyth Park, a great choice, part of the uh, Marriott Autograph collection in one of my favorite savannah properties the ceo and i got married there however it was a distance away from the places that she wanted to visit the location was going to leave her at the mansion of paying for daily parking tipping the valet each time she needed a car or spending money on rideshare every time she wanted to head into the city center back to my best hotel voodoo price magic and found another Marriott Autograph Collection Hotel, but this one was on Bay Street, near the things that she wanted to do. And for some reason, I didn't have to pay for daily parking, which saves her $45 and covers the difference between the two properties. So the takeaway with hotel pricing, especially for vacations, is decide what the focus is of your trip. Is it food? Is it recreation, convenience? And then factor in things like daily parking fees, tips for the valet, rideshare costs, And then not to mention your time waiting for all those things. And another thing is, see if your credit card offers discounts. AAA, AARP, both offer amazing discounts if you get on their website. People tend to talk about things that you need for travel gear. You know, we don't talk a lot about stuff you don't need for travel. And I'm a huge fan of Huffington Post or Huff Post, But they could use some real-world assistance when it comes to their travel posts. April 17th, they posted 32 things I guarantee you won't regret having on your next trip. April 22nd, just a few days later, somebody else posted on HuffPost, 24 useful travel travel products that won't take up a lot of space in your luggage. 56 items or products that you need to travel with. So here are the few things I can tell you that was listed in that article that you don't need to travel with, I promise. First is an RFID blocking travel wallet. I can't believe that we're still talking about this, that people are still concerned with this. This was all the rage probably 10 or 11 years ago and I was gifted one of these wallets, which I quickly placed my uh, RFID office keys into, walked over to the door of my office next time I was in town, tapped it, and it still worked. Now, another thing they had, or they talked about on both, both articles, had odor eliminators that you can stash in your luggage or carry on or you can do like most people and just wash your dirty clothes at the end of the trip and if you're that self-conscious throw in a couple of dryer sheets into your luggage before your next trip now this next one's a butte, a USB chargeable fan possibly the stupidest thing I've ever seen first this is the question of is the juice worth the squeeze this little fan will bleed the juice out of your portable USB charger quicker than any phone ever will. And second, what's more important, posting on social media because you got juice in your phone or warm air blowing across your body. This last one was a gem, some laundry soap sheets. Yes, soap sheets so you can do laundry on the road. While these are less than eight bucks, I'm here to tell you that I've done laundry once in 23 years of traveling and it was after spending the day rafting in the Upper Gali River. Now there were, out of those 56 items, a couple of nuggets. The first one's a no-brainer, a set of compression packing cubes. I've traveled with mine for probably the last 10 years, uh, use them on every trip. I think everybody in the family has one as well. And the other one is a Wallet Ninja with 18 different functions. And the entrepreneur gave me one of these several years ago as a gift and it does have its uses. There's an eyeglass screwdriver, uh, a letter opener, a nail puller in case you need to pull some nails while you're traveling, a bottle opener, very useful. And plus it's TSA approved. One of my favorite travel blogosphere sites, the points guy posted this in August tell death or a first-class upgrade do his part testing wedding vows at 35,000 feet the author Cameron Sperance S-P-E-R-A-N-C-E started with this I'm not gonna look like the best person in this story so his 3,700 word post details how Cameron received an upgrade and his husband didn't and the feelings and emotions that they both experienced Now, Cameron summed the post up by asking this, what would you have done in this situation? Cameron took the upgrade. Or what have you already done when you were cleared for an upgrade, but a loved one didn't? So I've been married the better part of 35 years of my 58. And I can easily answer the question of what I would have done is I would offer the CEO the upgrade. And she would refuse to take it. So in turn, I would pass on it. Now one of the best trips that i ever had was uh, i was still flying delta and all of us were heading to washington dc i pulled an upgrade which i quickly handed over to the entrepreneur and he was probably i don't know 19 or 20 at the time but he had three of the best hours of his life on that flight now when i did fly delta i got priority boarding and i would still board with the ceo even now when we fly southwest i have a plus boarding we still pay the extra $30 so she can have early boarding as well and we at least board in the same group. Now this next topic will make my therapist shake his head or make him realize that he has a steady revenue stream with me as a client. Last May, Tanner Saunders from The Points Guy posted, Why I love hotel bars, especially when I travel solo. So Tanner spent several paragraphs talking about solo travel But I think he summed the post up with this. Hotels in a way are a microcosm of the world and grabbing a bar stool at a hotel bar is like a front row seat to a show performed in many languages and with many acts happening simultaneously. In one hour you can see a comedy as a bachelorette party stumbles in from a rowdy night out You can see drama as a couple argues over whose fault it really was that they booked plane tickets for an airport that's actually a good two hours away from the city center, or even just raw dialogue between yourself and the bartender, improv as you will. So Tanner writes more eloquently than I could ever speak, but a hotel bar, and make that a good hotel bar, is truly people watching at its best. I mean, you can watch people while you're enjoying a Diet focus, the CEO does, you can do people watching as you're throwing back a couple local beers. My pro tip is always to sit at the bar, especially if you're traveling solo. I've yet to meet a bartender that's an introvert. They welcome conversation. They love to talk about their town and they love to talk about the craziness they see as a hotel bartender. In late April, Lifehacker asked their readers, what are your unwritten rules of flying? The article started off with, what airplane etiquette should be universally agreed upon but others simply don't understand? And there are unwritten rules all around us, especially when it comes to marriage. The CEO and I have several unwritten rules and I guarantee you that anyone outside the two of us would never, never, ever understand these. And the reader's comments about these unwritten rules were along the lines of what you'd expect. Don't carry a bag on a plane if you can't put it in the overhead bin. No bare feet, socks are okay, but uh, no bare feet. The center seat gets priority on the shared armrests. Now my unwritten rules of travel are a little bit different. If my flight goes out of gate 102, or actually in the morning, I have a flight out of gate 102 at MCO, i will not sit at gate 102. i will sit at gate 101 103 104 but i never sit at the gate that my plane actually goes out of until they start calling us to board when entering the plane i always tap the outside of the plane right above the door and i always sit on the left side of the plane now in season four of the office michael scott said i'm not superstitious but i am a little stitious for me i'm not even a little stitious as to why I do these things, but I do. So a few weeks ago, a friend asked me, had COVID changed how I travel? And of course, the easy answer was, I guess. And then our conversation switched to something completely different. My Nashville trip started out on September 11th. So I was doing as I normally do. I was packing the day before, September 10th. And during packing, I decided to clean out my laptop bag And then came across a handful of masks that I hadn't worn in probably six or seven months. And I'm throwing the masks away. And I started thinking about the events of 9-11, as well as that COVID travel conversation I had had with my friend just a few weeks prior. So I've been through two major travel disruptions in my life. With 9-11, I was a baby road warrior and really didn't know what was going on or what I was doing when it came to business travel at all. You know, all I knew after 9-11 was that I needed to get to the airport three hours before my flight, and then more than likely someone was going to inspect my luggage. Now, with COVID, I have noticed a few changes. Probably the biggest change is that I pay attention to cancellation policies with hotel rooms. You know, hotel rooms have doubled down when it comes to revenue preservation, and what better way than forbidding last-minute cancellations? Another thing is I don't book travel as far in advance as I used to, and this is changing a bit as COVID numbers are decreasing, but I'm still not booking especially airfare 30 and 45 days out, and in case you haven't checked, airfare prices have increased. I'm also doing more road trips. I think I'm this flight this coming week will be my first flight since June, but it's not for fear of getting sick while flying, the reason is that I don't miss the hassle of the airport and the flight delays. And then piling onto this was a last minute post from view from the wing. There's less business travel than airlines expected, and it's gonna stay that way. And so the post lists several reasons, you know, such as visiting customers in their offices happens less when those customers aren't in their office. Consultants don't need to spend the week at their client's offices. The Monday to Thursday consultant travel week doesn't exist in the same way anymore. And then more work from home means former office workers have invested in becoming optimized for Zoom or Teams. And more meetings can be taken that way. And yes, it is much easier to do a Zoom meeting or team meeting than it used to be. So at the margin, that means there's fewer in-person meetings. From my viewpoint, people are returning to their offices. I've had three trips in the last five weeks. Yes, travel doesn't exist as it once did, but I look at it as travel is, for good or bad, ever-evolving. We're not traveling the same way we were in 1970, 1980, 1990. Travel is ever-evolving, becoming more efficient, less efficient. That's up to you. Finishing up with the points guy, they posted, do you really have to check out of a hotel? And I've answered this question twice, once in 2016 and again in 2020. And both times my response was that I rarely stop by the front desk to check out. Both episodes actually center around being a travel snob and not checking out of a hotel doesn't automatically make you a travel snob. Well, I'm here to tell you that I've done a 180 on this. I now stop by the front desk at checkout, and for a few reasons. First, with lifetime status, humble brag, with Hilton and Marriott, I shouldn't be charged for certain amenities, parking for one. And Hilton also provides a daily food and beverage charge of up to $15. I want to make sure that's not on my bill. And then, second, with hotels reducing their housekeeping staff. I figured my 7am checkout at the front desk may actually give that shortened staff a jump for the day. And then from a time management standpoint, it's much easier to handle a billing error at checkout than it is while you're filling out your expense report a week later. Now most hotel apps do offer the ability to check out without visiting the front desk. Just make sure you check your bill. Well, there you have it. Another random show in the books. If you want detailed show notes, links, pictures, head over to podpage.com travel hyphen stories. Leave me a message on Anchor. Shoot me an email, travelfrick at gmail.com. That's travelfrick at gmail.com. As I always say, travel safe, stay safe. And thanks for listening.